Well, hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures Podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm with my gorgeous, wonderful, intelligent, extremely hardworking <laughs> Disney father's loving wife and co-host, Michelle. Oh, thank you, sweetie. Yes, we're together virtually again. Yes, yes. If it sounds a little weird, that's why it sounds weird. Um, I am in Florida <laughs> still. For the foreseeable future, Michelle is in San Diego still for a very <laughs> short future. And right. uh, within the next few weeks, she will be joining me out here permanently in Florida. And uh, very excited for that. Oh, yeah. Me too. Can't wait. Yes. Yes. So uh, another weird thing about this, we are recording this episode on Saturday, June 18th, 2022. The episode will actually drop on our usual Sunday, uh, June 19th, 2022. This may be kind of uh, what we see in the future. You know, normally it used to be where we would record on Sundays and get the episode out for you on Sundays. Well, now with my weird work schedule, uh, these may change where we're recording them a day, maybe two days early, depending on the situation. Right, right. It's, um, but I mean, it's just adjusting to a new schedule, but it's all good. It's all good. I happen to have yes. today off. So we are recording during the day. It's not late at night like last night. So I actually have some <laughs> energy today. I will probably still flub just as many lines because that's what I do. Uh, but uh, it should be a good, fun episode. Happy Father's Day, everybody out there. Also, yes. happy Juneteenth for everyone who, who celebrates that holiday as well. Yeah. How exciting uh, of a weekend it is. So that's great. And for all of you who have... Uh, the holiday off on Monday. Hope you have a wonderful and safe time with your family. Exactly. Friends. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, thank you for joining us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. And while you're there, we'd love for you to sign up for our newsletter. Please sign up for the newsletter. I'm trying to do the points and we have a new camera here on this computer. And Michelle can't see my hands because I try and point to her when you know, it's her <laughs> turn to go. And it, yeah, I'm just too close to the camera. She can't see it. So yeah, you I may have to, to point in hand. front of my yeah, face there you like go. this. No one can see this, but it's, you know, it's a lot of fun for us. Anyway. Maybe um, this is one that we should be doing on YouTube live. People would just be hysterical. Yeah, of how or something. Or something. Clunky we are. We would end up on those epic fails videos or whatever. But yes. anyway, uh, yes, please sign up for the newsletter. It's just another way to be involved in the Hyperion Adventures podcast world. You get a lot of our information early. I did get a newsletter out this week. Yay. <laughs> Yay. You never know going forward when I will be able to do that. Michelle is going to be taking over the newsletter in the mm -hmm. coming week. So that'll be interesting to see uh, what she does with it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we appreciate it. Interesting or strange. I don't know whichever word works, right? It's all the same, right? But yeah, uh, thank you to everybody who's already subscribed for the newsletter. Right, Michelle? Right. And, you know, just be reassured, we don't share your email address with anybody and we don't clog up your email with tons of extra emails. Just nope. the one newsletter a week. That's it. That is it. Once a week, sometime, mostly once a week. And recently it's been more like once a month, but um, we're going to try and get back to the more set schedule with that. Shame. But another, shame. Yeah, 
all on me. It's definitely all on me. Uh, another great way to be involved with us is to follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group. It's amazing to see so many fun, positive people, and it's great to share that energy with everybody. Yeah, it's a, it really is a great group of people. We have a lot of fun out there. We post a lot of things. Others post some things that they got going on in their lives, and it's just just some good, positive energy, and that's kind right. of what we really are all about, and that's what we want that Facebook group to be all about. That's right, and thank you to all of you who are already participating. Right. Yes, thank you very much for those of you who have already become an Hyperion adventurer on that group. Uh, also, you can find us on YouTube. Uh, if you want to uh, do, check out there, uh, just do a quick search for Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Hit subscribe. You'll know whenever we have a new video. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. And like we remind you each week, we just love hearing from you. If you have just a time to say hello or share some good things going on with your life or have a question about any of our, our episodes. Yeah. Uh, if you want to suggest a topic, if you just want to say hi, we just love interacting with you in any of those ways. So please hit us up on one of those various different forms, whether it be social media, the Facebook group and definitely the Gmail account. Now, if you want to help support the show, we do. there are some costs that are associated with this show. And if you want to help support the show in a monetary way and get some excellent swag out of it at the <laughs> same time, well, there's a couple ways you can do that. First of all, you can go to our Spreadshirt shop. Uh, all you got to do is go to Spreadshirt.com and just do a search for Hyperion Adventures podcast, or you can go to any of our social media profile pages and if you see there, we'll have a Linktree account, and the link is right there. It'll take you right to it. And you can pick up all sorts of interesting T-shirts with our various logos, glasses, mugs, coffee stuff, all sorts of fun stuff that I can't even list at all. And, of course, as I mentioned already that I have gotten plenty of sleep i already flubbed some lines there uh but <laughs> it's a great way to just be involved and get some cool stuff at the same time right and we really appreciate that you take the time to do that and really help out this podcast right another great way to do it is be becoming a patreon member just go to patreon.com slash hyperion adventures podcast and we have tiers starting as low as two dollars per month and we'll get you some swag that way automatically, plus a lot of other cool perks, some stuff that we have in the works coming up once we're back together and we can kind of schedule this a little more easily with some of you. But we really appreciate everybody who's already become a Patreon member of this podcast. Right. And, you know, like you said, in addition to the swag and, and definitely our major appreciation um we do include you in some information that we share only with you in terms of some either tips or links to some really interesting things related to disney so um we try to make it so that you're getting something for helping us along with this podcast right and michelle has some great ideas coming up on how we can get you more involved and get you more stuff in the near future. Now, before we head into this week's show, we always like to take a look back at the week that was because, you know, it's always like a roller coaster. There's highs, <laughs> there's lows, there's twists, there's turns, but there always seem to be these little gems that are kind of our favorite things from the week that was, those positive little moments. So, 
when we do this, well, we usually start with Michelle with our <laughs> my favorite thing of the week. Now, I'm not sure if she's ready to go with this, but let's check with her. Michelle, what is your favorite thing from this week? Um, you know, like a lot of weeks, there's various things I could choose, um, you know, mainly right now as I'm getting ready to uh, go for the move, the big move. I am reconnecting kind of like one last big hurrah with some friends. So that's, I've had some opportunities this week that have been great. Um, but I think on a more personal note, um, and I think I mentioned this in last week's episode, I, I injured my back with some of the stuff with the moves. I just did something that really uh, put it out of whack in a pretty painful way for a long time. And I think my favorite thing this week is yesterday, um, was the first time that I only had to take pain reliever, you know, Motrin one time. That was it. I was pain free the rest of the day, the night. Um, and it looks like today's kind of on the same track as that. So I, it's just been great to not have such tremendous pain or like, oh, can I move? Can I do this? And, you know, not to mention that it kind of slows me down for some of the things that I need to get ready. So right. it's kind yeah. of a all about me, I guess, kind of thing, but it's just being void of pain is wonderful. Yeah. I, and Michelle has <laughs> been scuffling with this uh, for a couple of weeks now, including obviously the move out here, plane flights to, to both coasts, mm -hmm. um, sleeping in weird beds, all sorts of things. And I'm glad to hear that to your back is uh, seems to be on the mend. Let's hope that continues. Yeah. Let's hope we didn't jinx it here. But right. <laughs> uh, so very happy. And that is that could be my favorite thing, too, because I'm so you know, I've been so concerned about you. So I'm glad to hear that your back is uh, doing better. So that Thank is you. good news. Um, my favorite thing from this week is also something that's a little bit more personal to myself as well. And that was um, actually a week ago on Sunday night, a great friend of ours, um, that we haven't seen in, can you believe it, in person in, I think it's been since September of 2019, wow. um, came over and visited at the new house over here. Uh, our great friend Rob LeBerry from the Jedi Temple Archives podcast and the Hoopty Duo Review Show. He came over, visited, saw the new house. We sat and we talked for about three hours after I got off work, um, we, we drank some wine, I made some flatbreads and we just sat and caught up and it was just so good to see him after not being, I mean, I, I've recorded some Jedi Temple Archives podcasts with him. We've had some virtual happy hours with him and his lovely wife, Kim, a couple times, but we haven't been able to sit down together and it was just really nice to, to see him uh, for the first time in a couple years. Right. I, and we had had some, uh, some travel plans together on a couple episodes, including this more recently too, when they were coming out to Florida, um, that we were supposed to all get together and just how our timeline had to, uh, you know, kind of abruptly change. And we had to make some modifications that, you know, really restricted us to be able to, you know, follow through with our, our end of the plans of traveling to meet up with them. I'm glad that you were able at least to have you know, that time to, you know, get together with Rob. I know that you and Rob are really close. You chat every day. So, I mean, it, it's, it's nice that you've been in connection, but like you said, to really be in person makes it such a different experience. Right. It was just, it, like I said, it was great to catch up. 
Um, yeah, we, we've had some near misses several times over the last couple of years where we've both had trips planned uh, with plans to connect for at uh, Walt Disney World um, various different times. And due to like he got injured, had to have knee surgery. Um, we've had to change some of our plans because of various things going on in our lives. So um, unfortunately, they just never meshed up. But, uh, you know, and, and I know that they wanted to see you as well. Um, but, uh, unfortunately due to what we have going on, it wasn't going to work out this time. Luckily they have another plan, uh, trip planned out here coming up in February and you'll be here and settled yes. in and we can make that really work. And also they'll be able to come into a house that is hopefully completely unpacked <laughs> with actual furniture in it. That everybody can sit on and enjoy because the house right now, uh, <laughs> we're still waiting on some furniture to be delivered and some other things going on. So, uh, it was probably best. It was just me and him for that night anyway. <laughs> right. I mean, you and I are both kind of living with, um, bare essentials, right. um, <laughs> You know, like makeshift things and stuff, but um, I. By know, the way, I'm still even just despite that, I'm still living in the better situation than Michelle right now, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but that's going to change here in a few weeks. So right, right, we got some furniture coming in that was supposed to already be delivered. Yeah. That was, uh, you know, supply chain things that it got a little delayed. You know, I'm here with the some, you know, temporary supplies and bed and stuff like that so pretty funny yep but we're making our way through it and together soon we'll be together in our brand new beautiful home out here in florida and continuing our life now uh we did get a my favorite thing from this week from one of our uh, listeners through our hyperion adventurers facebook group as by the way and that one came from scott in minnesota he often chimes in on these he said my favorite thing from this week are the gifts we received from my aunt and uncle who took her first trip to Disneyland in 35 years. We will be rocking these while we are sailing on the Wish in January. And what he posted were some pictures of three T-shirts that they got. One was a Hercules shirt that says the muscle on it. Uh, there's also a cool Mickey shirt and a Haunted Mansion one as well. So really, really cool stuff. Yeah, that's so fun. And thank you, Scott, so much for sharing that with, with us, with the group. And that's fabulous we hope more people take the opportunity to share because we're all celebrating each other right yep. that's what life's about yep we all want to know what everybody's favorite thing is from every week so yeah yeah uh, chime in with them where however you want to do it. it could be through the gmail account any of our social media channels of course the hyperion adventurers facebook group but we'd love to hear what yours is and please and we, we will share them on an upcoming show for sure Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so on to this week's show. We have lots of stuff for you this week, including, yes, summer solstice is this week. But that doesn't mean it's too early to start thinking about fall events at the Disneyland Resort. We'll tell you about those. <laughs> Speaking of summer solstice, there's a special streaming event coming to Disney Plus straight from the Walt Disney World Resort to celebrate the longest day of the year. We'll tell you what that is. If you're looking for more Disney streaming fun, well, we've got another event featuring Disney Cruise Line's newest ship that you won't want to miss as well. And if you happen to have just hit the lottery, well, there's an exclusive <laughs> new Adventures by Disney trip that you may be interested in, and we'll tell you all about that as well. But let's go ahead and get right to it. It is Father's Day as this episode is dropping, so let's go ahead and get to our main topic of the week.
So yeah, for this week's main topic, as I just mentioned a second ago, it is Father's Day today. So what better way to celebrate dear old dad, especially those Disney dads out there, than to look at all the conflicts in the various <laughs> Disney movies they've gone through with their children. Right, Michelle? Right. I know that in the past on Father's Day, we've done some things related to either like our favorite father or father figures or, you know, some other interesting aspects related to the dads. But this year we thought, let's kind of mix it up what conflicts have happened in some of the Disney world. And the fact is that from conflicts, usually something really great does turn out. So, you know, spinning it to see what, it may be negative that there was a conflict, but it brought about some great change. Well, they kind of get placed in that situation a lot of times because it's often time that we see in Disney movies that uh, obviously we've seen both parents be, you know, gone from the situation for whatever reason. But oftentimes it seems like it's more the mother that kind of uh, disappears from these Disney movies. But it's often the, the father and the child that kind of are there together. And, well, of course, there's going to be some sort of disputes when those happen. And, you know, but a lot of times, you know, through the conflict is actually a showcase of love for both the characters involved. Right. Exactly. So let's go ahead and get to it. Michelle, I think you've done some looking into this. So let's hear what you have as far as father child I'm, I'm stretching this out because michelle needs to cough now and <laughs> she's like, like i want to cough i want to cough <laughs> uh father child <laughs> conflicts uh within disney movies so as i was going through like listings of movies and things to get some ideas of which ones i thought like you know my top five to ish to highlight <laughs> um <laughs> you know i noticed some recurring themes, you know, um, you know, some of the conflicts really resulted from major outcomes affecting more than just the two of them, the, you know, the father and the child. Uh, another one that I noticed common is fear being a big driver for a lot of these conflicts, fear of different things, but fear being, you know, kind of like that underlying emotion. Um, uh, some of the conflicts really did result in an improvement of the relationships, but not all of them. Uh, but generally speaking, they all did have something positive come of it, even if the, if the bottom line resolution of the conflict didn't take place. So, all right. Very long winded to get to my list though. Sorry about that. Let's but go. Anyways, I want to hear it. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, thank you. Um, so my number five uh, relationship conflict uh, actually was kind of a, a more involving a father figure and that was the uh, relationship between Tarzan and Kerchak. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the, the big conflict that was kind of the overarching theme here is that Kerchak really never accepted Tarzan. You know, even from when he was adopted by Carla as a child and, you know, when he was young. And, you know, in thinking about this, it, it really reminded me of real life conflicts where there is a parent who might not be accepting, say, a career choice of their child or, you know, a partner that they choose or even sexual orientation. And, you know, like how that dynamic really drives the two of them in, in their lives. Um, so, you know, again, I, I, I kind of saw this as a fear. Kerchak, you know, feared humans and he just attached 
all the negativity of humans to Tarzan and what he felt Tarzan, I guess, would become in terms of an, you know, an, an enemy of the tribe. Um, you know, but but really what was the outcome of this conflict um, really through the support of Tarzan's mom or adopted mom is that Tarzan eventually really had to accept himself differences and all. And it's also interesting to me that the way he kind of got to this point was when Carla discussed the similarities or the, the sameness that each of them had, you know, where she talked about, you know, their, their fingers, the number of, of digits, their, you know, but and ultimately the heart. And I just really thought that was quite a powerful message that if that conflict hadn't arisen between Tarzan and Kerchak, that Tarzan's acceptance of himself possibly couldn't have ever come through because no matter what, even with his friends, he was always the different one. And it was great to see how um, through this all, Tarzan did eventually come to accept himself. Yeah, I mean, and, and part of it is, you know, Kerchak always wanted to be sure and protect the family there. He was afraid of humans and bringing a human in was bound to lead to more humans coming into the jungle and, you know, possibly going after the, the gorillas out there, you know, and that's exactly right. what happened. And, you know, obviously Tarzan grew up most of his life around these these gorillas and, you know, learning to be like them as much as he possibly could as a human. Uh, but then when he actually sees other humans, obviously he starts to think, oh, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I'm meant to be somewhere else. Um, but then when it came down to it, he realizes at the end, no, the, the gorillas are my family. I need to defend mm-hmm. my family, just like Kerchak had right. said he should do. Um, and that's where he, the end result is of that film. Right, right. So, very good. Yeah. So that was my number five conflict. What about you? Uh, my number five, and I actually am making this list up on the fly because I thought Michelle was going to do this. <laughs> so please bear with me. It's oh, okay. I have you. I can do that. I got it. I can make up. I can go with my list because I kind of did a little bit of looking into it on my own, but. Uh, I, I will have to admit, uh, my list may lack a little bit, but then it usually does next to Michelle's anyway. So anyway, my number five comes from Mulan. I was kind of thinking about this as you were speaking because I was realizing, oh, I better come up with a list of five. Comes from Mulan. And it actually, you know, Faju is one of the best fathers you're going to find in any Disney movie. But there is uh-huh. that little moment when Mulan is trying to keep him from going and joining, you know, being forced to go join the army as the only uh, male member of their family, knowing that that probably will be the last time that she sees her father because he's injured, because he's on the older side, that Mm -hmm. he may not come back from this war. Um, And she steps up and tries to make him stop. And he gets a bit angry with her and say, look, this is what I have to do. You know, I, I don't like it any more than you do. But this is what has to happen. I know my place, you know, and she, he, he, you know, this is the one time that he really lashes out at Mulan and kind of actually ends up drawing, driving her to do what she ends up doing, which ends up being for the best in the long run. But it was a it was a uh, bit of a jarring moment at the time that it happens. 
Right, right. Yeah, I mean, again, that I, I love how, especially even in an animated film, that you can get all those emotions of, you know, like you're saying, the, the conflict. Uh, it was a teaching moment for the father, although the outcome to him was different than he, what he perceived was going to happen. He thought he was going to go out to war and ended up being Milan. Um, but, it, you know, it was really how they brought that heartfelt emotion together on that movie is just so impressive. And as you mentioned, it's so it realistic. All, right. And it was all driven by fear. You know, he mm -hmm. feared what would happen to himself. She feared what would happen to her father. Um, and he was also fearing what would happen with uh, Mulan, you know, without him being there uh, when it was all said and done, knowing that he's likely not to come back from this battle, just like she knew the same thing. So, um, but it was right. all it was all based in love when it was all said and done. Right. And I and I, and I'm sure some of the fear too was where he talked about, you know, um the duty that he had for his country is that if he didn't take the correct actions, how that would reflect on the entire family and in what position would that make them be for things like her getting married or anything like right. that. Exactly, exactly. So, so that's my number five made up on the fly. Let's get to the realistic again. Michelle's number four, <laughs> fa Disney father-child conflict. So my number four, um, staying in the animation realm right now, is be actually between Marlin and Nemo. Um, you know, first of all, I really did like how this film addressed the single dad theme in a more realistic perspective, um, you know, to the point where you actually experience the loss of the mother. Um, but, you know, again, this one, a conflict driven by fear, over, over cautiousness. Um, but that conflict that the two of them had actually resulted in, in quite a wild excursion for both of them. Um, but eventually it actually brought Marlon back to his original personality, you know, one that he had kind of turned away from because of fear. Um, and the other component that came out of this is how they kind of adopted the, the friendship of Dory, um, you know, becoming and in, in involving her as part of their family as a result of this conflict. Yeah, uh, that this, by the way, uh, my on the fly list was my number two uh, pick that I was going to come up with here. So um, great choice. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, this is all. Yeah, Marlon was afraid. He's already lost everything. He's already lost his wife. He's already lost mm -hmm. all the other children that were. He was supposed to have numerous, numerous right. children. This was the only one that survived. I can't lose you as well. So he was always overprotective of Nemo. Nemo ends up, you know, as you would, if someone's so overprotective of you at some point, you're probably going to rebel against that. Nemo does, but it does lead Marlon, like you said, to understand, look, I can't protect him forever. He needs to grow up. He needs to live his life somewhat. Yes, I can watch over him but he needs to become the, the fish that uh, I know he can be, the clownfish that I know he could be. Right. I mean, and the other underlying component there is that Mar 
that uh, Nemo did have a disability, which is another thing, you know, and, and we experience that as parents of somebody with a disability is you feel the need to protect to the point of not allowing growth. And, you know, to me, it was a mirror into my life, you know, that I know that I am overprotective and, and its effect with, with Scott has been that it's not necessarily always allowing his talents to come out and be developed. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm overly protective. I think more than you of of, of Scott. (laughs) So I totally understand where you're coming from there. So, uh, very good. So, uh, since we talked about my number two, let's go to my number four. And my number four is coming out of Moana. And that is the dispute between, of course, Moana and her father, Chief Tui, uh, of the tribe there. Um, of course, you know, Moana, from when she was very, very young, obviously she was drawn, drawn to the ocean. She always wanted to go back to the ocean. And that seemed to be an issue with her father who mm-hmm. didn't want to see that happen. He wants to stay there on the island and just grow their their society, their little, their tribe there and everything they need is right there. Um, and he, he was always fighting against Moana going out to the ocean for any of the tribe going out to the ocean, right. but especially his daughter. This is all you need. This is this place you need to be so much so that at one point, you know, even when she's just, she seems to be adjusting and adapting and taking on the role as the future, um, Chief, uh, chiefess, chiefess. I think so. <laughs> uh, as as the, the next leader uh, within their tribe, um, and they re- realize that they don't have as many fish, and then she's like, "Well, maybe we can just go outside the reef." And that was when that was enough. You know, you're like, "Enough of your talk about for being yeah. going outside the reef." No, you need to stay here where it's safe, because he, when he was young, had gone past the reef, had gone sailing with a friend of his. They got stuck in some stormy weather and he lost his friend. And so he's seen it. He's suffered the loss of what could be out there. He doesn't want to have anybody in his tribe um, be lost again in that way and especially not his daughter. So, of course, again, as you mentioned earlier, Michelle, fear, but love for his daughter, what what drove that. And, um, you know, for good and bad, I can totally understand both points of view there. Right. So it's interesting. My number four was your number two. Your number four was my number two. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, I I had a lot of the same things that 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 you mentioned. Um, I, I think some of the other things that I took note of is that her grandmother was not only supporting her desire to go beyond the reef, but actually kind of encouraging it. And, you know, I I think some of that was maybe that she really had come to the terms that her son wasn't going to do it. And so she needed to make sure that they could get beyond this bubble that they were, that they were in. Um, you know, and you, you talked about the fear that her, her, her dad had for the experiencing loss, just kind of like what we saw with, um, Marlon and Nemo. Um, I, I think like what you said too, is that she was going to, she's the heir to the throne. So he also had the fear of protecting. I mean, they didn't talk too much about other siblings, although I think in some of the extras about the film, 
there was going to be some dialogue about that, but she was obviously always going to be the the heir apparent in that family. And so he was, you know, probably, you know, even more cautious of what would our tribe do if something happened to her, you know? So, um, you know, the other thing that was unique about this is, um, and I guess it's similar to Mulan, she was completely defiant. You know, she was like, um, you know, she wasn't just trying to touch the butt. <laughs> she went out. <laughs> she was beyond what uh, Nemo did. And um, it did turn out well, but, you know, it it was an interesting concept for Disney to approach in a film to say, this child's going to be completely defiant and let's see where it goes. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, and she wasn't completely defined. Again, she was for the most, but it, she was starting to accept it. Okay. Maybe my life is here. Her father took her up to the top of the mountain there mm -hmm. where the, where he showed all the stones of these are the leaders that have come before you. And everyone has placed another rock on top of one another. Right. And this is how we build on our society here. And I, I, and I think that she actually may have stayed with it except for she saw what was happening like it doesn't matter if we stay here this tribe isn't going to survive I, who knows what's going to survive if something doesn't happen if we don't get the heart of tafiti tahiti tafiti tafiti tahiti tafiti near tahiti uh tafiti back to her um because that is what's happening our 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 world is dying around us so something had to had to happen here and that's why she went back to what had driven her to begin with which was to go out to the ocean and get beyond the reef right and again her grandmother kind of giving her the spark that she needed at that point by showing her you know one what their tribe was that they were a tribe of people who would uh, go out and explore but to actually give her the tools the boat to do that so exactly so that's my number four and michelle's number two but let's get back to the real list here michelle what is your <laughs> number three favorite father-child conflict in a disney movie all right my number three was between star lord and ego <laughs> so oh, wow. and, uh, yeah guardians of the galaxy number that's a two extreme conflict there yeah i know well you know again um i i think for me, the way when I ended up working on this list is I, I started the approach with the conflicts and then found other components about the either the storyline or the message that, you know, I found interesting. And, and this one, a, a unique um, dynamic that I notice is, um, you know, where Peter Quill really was initially fighting totally be accepted by his father. You know, I mean, all his life he, he had envisioned what would his father be like, um, you know, but this desire to once he met him to be accepted by his father, not realizing his father had a plan, um, you know, may have even made him not as noticing of his father's dark side and not seeing, you know, some of the underlying badness that was within his father. Um, the other thing in, in this conflict that it ended up spilling over and making a conflict between Peter and Gamora and how, you know, she was starting to notice things and question things, even though initially she was the one to say, Hey, you, you should go meet your father. Um, but you know, here, their relationship was just starting to form and build a little bit. And now this 
this conflict between the two of them takes place. Um, but the good thing is that uh, I guess once Star-Lord realized he and his dad weren't on the same page of what they wanted ultimately, um, you know, which was to rule the universe, I guess, uh, he did go after the big fight, you know, and, and sacrificing, you know, the ideal he had of having a very special father, but realizing this is the person I have to destroy. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing with that one is that, and that, that's different from a lot of these fathers that we're mentioning is I don't believe there was ever any real love from ego in, in, within the, there for, right. you know, he tried to put on some fronts, uh, for Peter, uh, that there was something there. Um, and maybe there was a little touch of, yeah, you know, this is my boy. I'm a little proud of him. We could, you know, right. you know, basically run the galaxy together, um, using both of our combined strengths, but really that's all he wanted to use him for was a, it was a battery to help power him to be that much stronger, to help take sure. over, you know, and that's what he was going to do at the end. If you, if you're not going to join me, then I'm just going to use you anyway. So, right. you know, the real conflict there in, within the guardians of the galaxy movie, I'm surprised you didn't go with more is not his real father, but his father figure of Yondu. Because, right. you know, he and Peter, they were in conflict consistently through the, the couple of movies that they're in. Um, it, it, but it, it took that conflict and, and everything about it to actually get both sides to admit that, yeah, you know, I saw, I've basically seen you as my son. And Peter to say, basically, Yondu, I've seen you as my father all this time. You may have not known it. It may be kind of just something that's we realized late in the game, but that is the facts of, of how they they grew together, essentially. Right. I mean, I think, too, and you're right, I did think about that one. I put it on my honorable mentions, and part of it was I knew I used the two of them in last year's episodes. I wanted to have a little uh, variation. The other conflict that was taking place between Peter and Yandu was that Peter internally knew this guy was raising him, but didn't want him to be his father. He didn't believe in the lifestyle. He felt, not knowing the background, he felt he was kidnapped. So he didn't want to, but like you said, at the end of the film, he puts it all, it comes together and he realizes that all along, this relationship was one to protect Peter, protect him from his father, protect him from all the other things that were happening. Because, uh, I mean, uh, Yanu even, um, you know, lost his reputation by, be, you know, feeling like he was letting Peter get away with things that nobody else would get away with. And so, it, you know, it was kind of more of an internal conflict as well versus just the external between the two of them. Right. It took him realizing, finally realizing that his father who he didn't know who it was for his entire life, finally realizing mm -hmm. that his father was a giant jerk, literally yes. <laughs> a giant jerk uh, to uh, realize what he had with, with Yondu um, for sure. Right. So, right. So, so very good. So that's Michelle's number three favorite father child conflict in Disney movies for my number three. And again, I'm coming up with this on the fly. So please bear <laughs> with me here. And this could be higher actually. I mean, it's really an important father-child conflict within a Disney movie. Actually, it drives a lot of this movie, and that is in The Little Mermaid and King Triton and, of course, Ariel, 
We know what a big conflict that is. And some people think King Triton's <laughs> a real jerk for it. I actually don't. I think that, uh, yes, is he, is, is, does he go over and maybe too far with this whole thing? But I think we've all been in that moment as parents and their child is like, you know, listen, you got to listen to me here at some point. You can't just keep doing this stuff because I fear for you. You know, I'm worried about the what's going on with the humans out there that I'm worried about what would happen if they discover us. And you got this this infatuation with them, whether you're collecting all this stuff or you're, you, you, you want to get out there on the land and be with them all and that you're not worrying about your home. And you're not listening to me about it, you know, and you're a 16 year old girl, you know, I mean, we've all <laughs> who have had teenagers have had to deal with that moment at some point. So I totally get, again, he pick, takes it too far, but I totally get where uh, King Triton is coming from. It's all again for, with his love for his daughter. Right, right. And like you said, the issue of fear is that driving emotion, um, you know, and again, loving how in an animated film they're, you know, making this be about a fear of humans. Um, and yet we can take that same concept and just apply it to anything, any of our, our, our choices or lifestyle or anything that our parents could fear that our decision would have a negative impact either on, on our, ourselves or the family. Yeah. And unfortunately, as so often happens in real life, uh, that, you know, this that he gets carried away with it, he gets so upset and that actually ends up pushing Ariel to the place that he doesn't want her to go to begin with. You know, it's and sometimes you got to, you know, count to 10, you know, collect yourself. It's not easy. Everybody can get caught in their worst moment. And King Triton definitely did within this film. But in the end, he comes through and, you know, and, and saves his daughter, essentially sacrifices himself in many ways right. to uh, make sure that, she, you know, she, this all pulls through because he loves her so dearly. So and then he does eventually come to see and agree to her point of view uh, with Prince Eric, sees he's an OK guy and everything. And that maybe not everybody in the human world is terrible. But again, um, I can totally relate to that moment that he was in uh, where you where you just enough already. This has to stop. And again, right. it's not that I, you never want to see yourself in that light, but it happens, unfortunately. Yes, yes. And, you know, again, in this one, too, he's um, when he's seeing the the depths, <laughs> quote unquote, uh, <laughs> that she goes to. <laughs> no pun intended, but I, I guess it works. see what um, you did there. Right, right. <laughs> um, but anyways, you know, seeing that she actually got involved with a very dark person to try to get her way, um, then he's come to the realization that uh, he, he, he does need to try to help her on her quest. Right. Anyway, so that's my number three. We've already been through both of our number twos because they were different points of our uh, list at some point. So let's go ahead and get to the the finale, the realist, <laughs> Michelle's number one favorite father-child conflict in a Disney movie. Michelle, what is your number one? All right. So first of all, I just want to say, especially since, um, 
you know, as, as with any of these things, communication is an issue where there was a miscommunication here. I have a one A and one B, so oh. you can you can sit back and relax. You don't have to come up with a number one unless I have you have a feeling my burning... number one is going to be one of your number ones. So we'll just see. All right. So okay. So my number one A actually is the conflict between Max and Goofy. There it is. All right. It's <laughs> my you number know. one as well. Yes. All right. All right. Kind of figured you might have this one on your list. Um, you know, it, it's great that it it, it shows the, the typical struggle between a teen uh, or tween and his dad not having great effective communication, not seeing things the same way. Um, I love this movie for a lot of things. A lot of things. The characters, obviously, the music. Uh, I, I also like how Disney takes little fun digs at themselves throughout the film. Um, but, you know, this one really shows the frustration they both feel. Um, and it's, it's only when they're in a challenge together that they can actually start to see each other's perspective a little bit more clear or take the time to see each other's perspective because I think that was also part of it. They... Both were trying to impose their perception on each other without even really, not just listening, but not wanting to take into that, that other perspective, you know, and, and, and again, in the, you know, getting real deep, I guess, in this, but in the, in the world, when we're talking about inclusiveness, that's part of the issue, right? We're not always great at listening to the other side to see what are the perspectives and, and kind of going back to there's probably way more in common than not, you know. Um, but the other thing I like about how this film puts a big problem um, to create that environment for that honesty to share each other and, and put them in a place where they don't have a choice but to listen to each other because, you know, they're kind of out there just hanging out in, in the waterways. But, um, you know, but even before that happens, one of the things you notice is when Max does start to try to, well, first of all, I guess Goofy's trying to give Max the recognition that you're growing up. Let me give you some ability to have authority, you know. So he's taking that time to recognize something about Max that's important to Max. And then in return, Max is seeing that, hey, things I like to do aren't necessarily what my dad likes to do and vice versa, but I can get joy by compromising and letting him have fun by, you know, like, for example, going to the, the yarn place or whatever it was that was kind of cute, mm -hmm. um, you know, but obviously their conflicts not only resolve, but it, it, it gives then goofy the ability to go with his original goal of trying to come up with that one last amazing trip together um uh by actually supporting his son through this other type of massive quest to to try to you know get his son to look good to his girlfriend so um you know the goal that Goofy had from the start of the film takes place. Just turns out that it happens in a different way than he expected. Yeah. Uh, it's my number one because I find Goofy extremely relatable in this and that, you know, he's just, you get to that age when they're, you know, your child's a tween or a teen and oftentimes they're growing up and you, 
you just don't want to see it necessarily or you right. you know you just you see them drifting away cuz that happens you know uh, uh, maybe not completely but maybe they're not there in your life as much as you for the past 11 12 years or whatever where right. they've been so reliant on you and they're not anymore and so you just kind of want to grasp at that um, you know, unfortunately, divergently everything that could happen in that movie, if they just would have sat down and talked and see, seen eye to eye, as right. they do at the end of the movie, um, it could have been avoided. But oftentimes, that's it's just not easy to accomplish. It needs to come from both sides. You know, one person needs to sit down and talk with the other one. The other one needs to be willing to listen and talk back. As you mentioned, Michelle, there's a good point that happens so often in our society for many reasons nowadays. Um, but uh, that it was the problem throughout this movie is that, you know, Goofy saw things one way. Max, you know, he, he never tells, you know, Goofy his father that he had this date with this girl you know that this was the whole reason why he didn't want to go is i've been setting this all up i want to do this thing you know he never mentions that until near the end that was going on he just like no i don't want to go on this vacation with you and they never they never sit down and talk about it until they kind of get forced to uh, near the end of the movie but when it does come to it it just shows you know that yes Goofy's willingness to support his son in this crazy desire that he has to to get to the Powerline concert and and show up on stage, and you know Max, you know willingness to see his father as who he truly is. Yes, he's goofy. Yes, he's a dork. Yes, he embarrasses him. But at the same point, he's kind of cool, you know, and he loves me and everything else. And and uh, again, I find it completely relatable, and that's why this is. One, it's one of my favorite movies, but I just feel like, you know, within the quirkiness of this movie, within this film, that it is, it, it strikes close to home. Right. You know, and, and you, you talk about how, you know, Max is, you know, looking at his father as goofy. And, we, you know, I mean, that's why there's that, you know, the right now, the very common to hear, well, that's a dad joke. You know, it's, right. it's natural for a tween or a teen to start realizing, hey, my parents are are goofy my parents are are corny or whatever um you know and and here's max thinking uh his dad is an embarrassment to him and then his girlfriend reveals when max actually slipped and kind of had a mannerism similar to goofy she thought that was adorable you know and so Right, exactly. So a lot of great realistic themes in this movie that just made it so fabulous. And the music is is particularly great. great, too. It's great. It's yeah. and it's relatable on both sides. We've all been that kid who's been embarrassed by their parents. And yes. we've all been that parent who's embarrassed their children. You know, I mean, right, even, right. You know, even if you're just doing something you think is totally fine, uh, you know, the kid's like, Dad, Mom, you know, right. whatever. It's just, it's it, we can totally have been there on both sides of the situation. So, all right. So that's my number one, your number one, a, what's your number one B or one a or whatever they are. (laughs) Yes. My number one B is, um, the conflict between Mr. Banks and Michael Banks over Toppins, you know, I mean, to me, this one was a biggie. It caused a run of the bank in London, you know, (laughs) that's quite, that, that is one of the more high impact, um, yeah, the, the tuppence Complex. there. Of, yeah, uh, yeah that, that's, uh, that was a problem. <laughs> Just a little bit of tuppence. Um, right. but it started a whole run on the bank. It was, it was pretty funny. Yeah. So, I mean, 
you know, um, as we know, the surface storyline, you know, in this original Mary Poppins film was just how amazing Mary Poppins is as a nanny. Um, but as we know, the real story is the underlying how Mary infiltrates the family dynamics to help the parents, specifically the dad, Mr. Banks, become an engaged father, you know, to not miss out on the very precious years that that their kids are as they're growing up, you know. Um, it really is a timeless film. It highlights how families can be, you know, really so focused on each of their individual lives that they miss the fun of being together as a family. Now, my dad was actually kind of the opposite of Mr. Banks. Um, he desperately wanted us to always do things together, maybe to a fault, you know. Um, but, I, you know, I, I recognize he he grew up in an orphanage once he became age seven. And, you know, he really didn't have that that family experience. And he wanted to make sure he got to experience that with his kids, you know. And, you know, like as a kid, I found it sometimes just too much. But reflecting now back at it, it it's great. I'm, I'm so... I feel so happy and blessed to have had those fun childhood memories of doing, you know, just things that, that you can appreciate as a large family. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as we saw in Saving Mr. Banks, you know, the, the mm -hmm. movie that with Tom Hanks and Emma Thompson based on the, the, you know, the writing of that film or that film, uh, coming to fruition through Disney and Disney securing the rights and everything else. Um, you know, they, it's pointed out that, you know, this isn't about saving Mary isn't there to save the children. She's there to save the father because, you know, right. the father is where the issue lies here. Um, he's gotten so caught up in his world of business and being there with the bank and, and making sure that, you know, everything that he, yes, he's providing for his family, but, you know, he gets so stuck in work and not being home with them and not enjoying time with them that he needs to be shown the way again, essentially, that there is joy in the world, that there is joy in your family and get back to um, what, she, what is important and uh, that's right. exactly what she accomplishes. Yeah. I mean, it, it, even from the very uh, initial part of the movie where he's he's first introduced and he's singing you know about how happy his life is just so methodical and you know uh, planned about and in terms of the kids he's talking about when he comes home they're already ready for bed he pats them on the head and then they go to bed kind of like that shows you right there right in that initial song where he's involved is that he really has no intention of doing anything with his kids. They, they have to be handled by, you know, other figures, not him. And so it really captures that essence of, wait, there's something missing in his life because of that. Exactly. Exactly. So great yeah. choice. Great list, Michelle. Well, thank you, honey. Um, as you were coming up with things on the fly or a little bit advanced, I guess, kind of looking at things, did you have any honorable mentions? I think there was one. I think mo pretty much we've mentioned um, many that I've thought of, but the, maybe the one that I can think of is that, uh, you know, there's a little bit between Jasmine and her father, the Sultan in Aladdin, where there's a mm -hmm. kind of right. an issue there. I mean, he's very much loves her and shows that, but at the same point, 
you know, there's that battle between the two of them of like, you know, you need to marry somebody, you need to marry a prince and you can't just pick who you love. You know, you need to get this done. This has to happen. This is law. Even though he's the Sultan, he could change the law if he wanted right. to. Um, this is what it's always been done. So there was that sort of dispute there between the two of them. I, you know, I think he's mostly shown as kind of, you know, a goofy guy who doesn't really know what's going on in this kingdom that Jafar is basically manipulating him in many regards. Um, but you know, when it comes down to it, he, he's, he, he, at first does not step up and, and help out his daughter, even though he's obvious of what she wants to get done. He ends up actually going the other way with it, but eventually comes around, realizes it's okay. I can change the rule of law right. within this nation. And uh, that's what ends up happening. Right. Good point. I had a couple other honorable mentions. I thought Black Widow and Ivan Romanoff was interesting how there were conflicts. Um, but also for the, you know, to ultimately turn out for the good of things. Um, Gamora and Thanos, even yeah. though he wasn't really her father. It was quite a conflict, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, that was quite the conflict. Um, I also thought about um, Mr. Holland's opus with Glenn Holland and his son Cole. Kind of like with Mr. Banks, you know, uh, his whole life was about music and composing music and um when he realized his son was deaf, he f lost that connection and was really struggling with finding a way to have an equivalent connection with his son. So I thought that was also worthy of mentioning. Yeah. And, and his son was having a tough time relating to his father as well. And they, there was big disputes with them until um, he finally found out. And, you know, I guess this is spoilers if you've never seen Mr. Holland's Opus, which you should. It's a great movie. Um, but you know, the fact that, you know, he, his son actually ends up wanting to know what his father is going through and ends up like sitting on a speaker to kind of get the vibrations, even though he right. can't really hear the music, he could get the, vi the, the vibrations of it. And that inspires, uh, Mr. Holland, uh, to actually start working towards something that could actually, his son could hear better, you know, can understand right. better. And that ends up being the opus that we, we hear Mr. Holland's opus. Right, right. So, anyways, so those, that's my list of uh, dad conflicts on this Father's Day weekend. Very good. Michelle's list, always the best list. We'd love to know <laughs> if there's something we've missed out there. What ones do you like? What ones would you like to expand on? Please send them to us either through a Gmail account, social media, whatever. We'd love to hear it and we'll share it on an upcoming show. Once again, happy Father's Day to all the Disney dads yes. out there. Hopefully you don't run into any conflicts with your children uh, <laughs> during at least this day. We know it's inevitable. We all run into conflicts with our children, but hopefully this is a wonderful day and uh, appreciate you for all you do for the families. All right. So let's go ahead and get to our Disney stories of the week. I do have a few for you this week, and I'm going to start with, yes, Summer Solstice is this week. It's on Tuesday, the 21st. But that doesn't mean it's too early to start thinking about fall events at the Disneyland <laughs> Resort because you're going to want to plan ahead for these things. So let's get to them. Well, this from the Disney Parks blog. They said they are thrilled to share 
that your favorite seasonal celebrations will return to the Disneyland Resort this fall with festive offerings for guests of all ages to enjoy. So here's what they have going on. Halloween time at the Disneyland Resort will cast its eerie spell from September 2nd through October 31st of 2022, featuring seasonal decor, Halloween-themed attractions, photo opportunities, with favorite Disney characters and villains, plus specialty treats and more. There is something for everyone during this spooktacular <laughs> celebration. Uh, so Disneyland does. There's, there's it, They do Halloween right, in my opinion. Yes. You know, Walt Disney World does a great job with it. They've even, right. they, they bumped it up a little better at Walt Disney World over the last few years, but Disneyland has done it right for many, many, many years. Right. I mean, especially since, you know, you really just have the two different parks. Um, but I think especially at California Adventure Park, it's really infused so nicely everywhere. It's, you know, it's more than just having some pumpkins. They really theme it so amazing. I know in the past we've talked about that on uh, in Cars Land, how they are so unique with the decor there, the Halloween decor there. Um, it's great. And their Oogie Boogie Bash is just an amazing event. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Um, Cars Land, the decorations at Cars Land, they're just so creative and so wonderful in the way they do the overlays. Uh, for you know the Mater's Junkyard Jamboree or Jamboree and uh, <laughs> what was it Luigi's Halloween, um, you know they, they're just so fun and so that's that's always something to look forward to. Uh, the Halloween spirit will also extend to downtown Disney District with colorful pumpkin decor and specialty offerings. Uh, Pluto's Pumpkin Pursuit, a delightful family-friendly pumpkin hut, will return. Uh, to the downtown Disney District from September 9th through October 31st. And the hotels at the Disneyland Resort will have Halloween-themed lobby displays as well, so that's fun. Uh, over at Disney California Adventure Park, Plaza de la Familia will be back. It will be from September 2nd through November 2nd of 2022 to celebrate the spirit of Dia de los Muertos with live entertainment, delightful food, hands-on crafts, and crafts and interactive experiences and yes as michelle just mentioned uh the fun and festive frights for all ages after park hours oogie boogie abash a disney halloween party will be offered as a separate ticket event at disney california adventure park on 23 select nights starting on september 6th through october 31st 2022 and this year members of the d23 official fan club may purchase tickets to their own Oogie Boogie Bash Night happening on September 10th during the D23 Expo. Oh. So if you're going to that or if you're a D23 member and just kind of want to take in some of the extra fun, uh, that is going on a special D23 Oogie Boogie Bash. That'll be great. So, so excited to hear that they're going to have that. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So for, as for tickets for the Oogie Boogie Bash, on June 28th, no earlier than 9 a.m. Pacific time, a limited amount of Oogie Boogie Bash tickets will go on pre-sale for Magic Key holders and members of the D23. Uh, they we begin purchasing the tickets for that specialty night on September 10th. Uh, tickets to the events, except for the D23 special event, go on sale to the general public beginning on June 30th, no earlier than 9 a.m. Pacific time. You can get all the information on that at Disneyland.com slash Oogie Boogie Bash. Yay. Yay. So I mentioned Summer Solstice, right? Well, there's a special streaming event coming to Disney Plus straight from the Walt Disney World Resort to celebrate the longest day of the year. Again, we go back to the Disney Parks blog. They say on Tuesday, June 21st at 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern time, Disney Plus will stream 
Harmonious Live, a special live stream performance of the Epcot Nighttime Spectacular Harmonious from Walt Disney World on the Disney Plus streaming platform. And it'll be in the U.S. and in Canada. So sorry for those of you across the pond. I guess you're not getting it. But if you're in the U.S. and Canada, you're going to get to check that out. Uh, It's also to celebrate World Music Day, which happens to be that same day. Uh, The live event will be hosted by Tony Award winning performer, actress, singer, songwriter, and philanthropist, easy for me to say, Adina Menzel. (laughs) Um, Yes. Hashtag real men love Frozen, so we'll be happy about that. (laughs) Uh, With special guest Ali Cravalho will also be there to celebrate the transcendent power of music with a medley of classic Disney music reinterpreted by a culturally diverse group of 240 artists from around the world. So nice, harmonious live. Looking forward to streaming that uh, this coming Tuesday. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, if you're looking for more Disney streaming fun, we've got another event featuring Disney Cruise Line's newest ship that you'll want to uh, not miss as well. Uh, This again from the Disney Parks blog. They said, join us on June 29th at 11 a.m. Eastern time for the incredible debut and christening of Disney Cruise Line's newest ship, the Disney Wish. Live from Port Canaveral, this unforgettable celebration of enchantment will showcase the world's first look inside the innovative new ship and will feature special guests, spectacular musical performance, and characters from your favorite Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars adventures. That'll be so great. So exciting that they're going to be doing that and showing it. I know in the past it's happened with the other ships, but I don't think it has been as made as available live. Right. So that'll be really cool. We still don't know who the God mother, God parent is going to be of the ship. So it'll be interesting to see who ends up uh, christening this ship when it all comes to fruition here on uh, June 29th. By the way, uh, for those of you who live in this area, Uh, this area in the Space Coast area, the Orlando area, on the Disney Wish should be arriving in port at Port Canaveral on uh, June 20th, uh, somewhere around 5, 5.30 in the morning. So uh, there'll probably be a lot of people out there, a lot of bloggers out there to see its first arrival to Port Canaveral. But if you want to, you know, try it out. If you want to get up super early and get down there, (laughs) um, there is that availability, but it will be limited from what I understand. And there are some rules and regulations about who, where you park, where you can go. You may want to check that out. I think you can find a lot of that stuff at the Disney cruise line blog. Um, He has some great information on that as well. Um, Finally, uh, wrapping up our Disney stories of the week. If you have happened to just hit the lottery, we haven't, (laughs) but if you have, Uh, There's an exclusive new Adventures by Disney trip that you may be interested in. I'm interested in it. We won't be going on this because, again, (laughs) we have not hit the lottery, but this is really cool. Uh, This is from AdventuresByDisney.com. You can embark on a bucket list adventure for 75 ultimate Disney fans with Disney parks around the world, a private jet adventure. Yes, a private jet adventure. This dream vacation spans 24 days and covers six countries that includes all 12 uniquely magical Disney theme parks worldwide, as well as three iconic landmarks, the Taj Mahal, the Pyramids of Giza, and the Eiffel Tower. 
They say throughout the trip, you'll stay in world-class accommodations, including the rare opportunity to be a guest at Summit Skywalker Ranch. That is extremely rare. Yes. Plus, you'll travel in a lux- in luxury via a VIP-configured Boeing 757 operated by Icelandic Air with long-range capability that allows you uh, for direct flights to maximize your time in each destination. You'll also enjoy personal access to experts and staff who provide fun and fact-filled stories, enabling you to be immersed in every location you visit. Now, this trip starts in L.A. and includes stops in San Francisco, Tokyo, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Agra, India, Cairo, Paris, and it wraps up in Orlando with some uh, several days stays in many of these locations so you can visit the various different parks and several other landmarks uh, around the world. Nice. It's got a little price tag to it. Yeah, uh, let me get to that. Uh, you, you stay in some of the best hotels in the world, including the high-end Disney resorts, including the Grand California, the Grand Floridian, uh, the, the New York-themed uh, one that's based on Marvel at Disneyland Paris, just lots of great hotels. Uh, the trip begins on July 9th, and it runs through August 1st of 2023. 68 meals included in it, and the price is just a low price starting at just under $110,000 per person. I wonder if they have a DVC discount. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a lot of points. That's a lot of DVC points to get that done. If you have a lot of DVC points, maybe you can get that done. I don't know. I don't know if anybody has that many DVC points, but um, that's some trip. It's a, it's a cool sounding trip. We will never afford that trip. That's like that's $220,000 just for two people. We won't be doing that trip, but that is, um, it, it is interesting. And uh, for yeah. 75 special people that can afford it, um, hey, more power to you. That, that sounds yeah, really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Especially the private jet. I mean, it's not private. Je- I mean, it is a private jet. 75 people in a 757 is going to feel like a private jet. That's for sure. Right. Um, but right. not exactly the same as like one of those Lear jets or whatever, you know. And, yeah. So. Anyway, that's it for the Disney stories of the week. However, we never leave you without giving you some sort of tip that might help you on your next vacation. And when we do this, well, we always start with Michelle. One, because she's wonderful, awesome, great, all things wonderful (laughs) in the world. You heard it earlier. She has the best lists. She does the best research, but she definitely has the very best tips. So let's get to it. Here is Michelle's tip of the week. Oh, you're so sweet, honey. So um, my tip is, you know, just kind of more information. Um, It relates to parking at uh, Disney World. And I know that if you have like an annual pass or DVC, you know, you do get free parking, which is great. But let's say you really wanted to upgrade to the preferred parking. You actually can do that. You just have to pay the difference. And the different, it depends on, you know, like what time of year and things like that, you know, but around 20 bucks more and you can get that preferred parking space uh, over the just general parking uh, if you'd like. So you don't have to feel like, well, I got free parking, but I have to go into the general parking space. Um, The other good thing to know about this is that preferred parking will transfer with you if you drive to another park's parking lot. You can, you know, utilize that throughout the day. So it's not like, oh, you've purchased preferred parking for, let's say, going to Epcot, but then if you want to go over to Animal Kingdom, you'll end up going back to regular free parking. No, 
let them know you have that preferred parking and you'll get to be directed for that as well. Yeah, and that's true of all parking. Even if you just do the, the regular general parking, if you are a park hopping during that day, you have that uh, ability. And let's say sure. you're starting at Epcot, you pay for your parking there and you want to go over to Animal Kingdom later in the day or whichever park you want to go to, um, your parking fee will get you into that park. You do not have to pay for parking twice. So just, to, just exactly. a reminder. I think a lot of people know that, but just a reminder of that fact. So Michelle's tip. Always the best tip. <laughs> I don't know. Well, what about you, sweetie? My tip is, well, you know, a lot of people come with their, their young kids, like car seat-aged kids. And, you know, sometimes you're traveling from somewhere of a distance with flights, whatever it may be. You're not bringing your own car necessarily. You're planning on Disney transportation to get you to and from, maybe a shared, uh, maybe a, a rideshare ability to get to some special things. Maybe you don't want to bring your car seat with you because who wants to lug that thing all over around, maybe take it to the park and have to figure out where you're going to leave it when you're there. Well, there are some ways for you to get around in the parks without having to bring your own car seat. First of all, of course, if you're riding the monorail, the Disney buses, the Skyliner, you don't need a car seat on any of those. You're fine without them there. Um, but if you, let's just say you're needing to go someplace special or in a hurry and you want to take a ride share of some sort, well, there are a couple ways that you can do this without bringing your own car seat along. One, well, first of all, they don't technically force the, the drivers to have car seats in the car. So that's up to you. I wouldn't suggest it. Um, right. you know, and that's also up to the driver. They could say, I, I don't feel comfortable having a kid in the car without a car seat, but there are ways to do it where you can be sure and have a car seat. One, Uber offers a car seat option. So if you go to the Uber app and select the car seat option, it will let you know what types of vehicles are available that come with car seats in them. It's $10 more uh, to add it on to your fee for that option, but that's a way to get to one of the parks or get to a restaurant, a downtown Disney or wherever you wanna go and have that car seat option there. That is one way to do it. Uh, unfortunately, Lyft doesn't have this same option, at least not in Orlando at this point that we are recording this. However, Disney's minivan service does. As a matter right. of fact, they offer two car seats. So if you have more than one child that needs a car seat option, uh, they have that ability for you. Of course, the minivan service is re returning on June 29th. So that'll be available for you. It's a little bit more pricey than an Uber now, obviously more impressive than most Disney transportation, but it is a wonderful, luxurious way to, to get there. We've done the minivan service. It's fun. It's great. It is fun. Those, those polka dotted vans pull up and you get all excited. Plus you have those car seats in there that are ready to go. Um, it really is a great way to go. If you want to schedule one of those, you can do that through the Lyft app. So those are just a couple of ways that if you don't want to bring your car seat with you on your vacation, but you may need it at some point, uh, ways to kind of get around that. Very good tip, babe. Thanks. Thanks. So that's it for this week. Next week, well, as we've mentioned a few times so far, the summer solstice is this week. That means we'll officially be in the middle of summer. Boy, I'm telling you, the heat here in Florida and many parts of the country, we've already been in summer. But yes. <laughs> officially, by the calendar, we will be in summer. Uh, since we haven't done a music-based episode in a while, we thought, well, this might be a great time to break another one out. So next week, we'll be sharing our five 
favorite Disney summer songs. Looking forward to it. That'll be fun. Yeah. We want to know your list too. So uh, please send them to us through our social media, through our Gmail account, whatever. We'd love to hear your list and share those on the show as well. This will be a lot of fun. What gets you bopping? What makes you think of summer? Whether it's you listen to it in the summer, whether you listen to it in the middle of February because you're dreaming about <laughs> summer. We'd love to know what your, fav- your favorite Disney summer songs are. As for today's show, we appreciate that you joined us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. And while you're there, please sign up for the newsletter. Please sign up for the newsletter. Just another way to be involved in the Hyperion Adventures podcast world. Another great way is by following us on social media. We're on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventures Facebook group. And we always love it if you take the time to share our podcast with a friend or family member. Yeah, and that includes the Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group. Tell some friends of yours that uh, they might want to join in on that fun as well. Good, positive Disney energy fun. Uh, Also, we're on YouTube. If you want to find us there, just do a quick search for Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Hit subscribe. You'll know whenever we have a new video. And if you ever want to email us, especially with one of those five favorite lists, for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, it really makes us happy when we see emails from folks. So thank you so much for those of you who have written to us before. And we really encourage you, feel free, like we said, whether it's to share your list with us so we can share that on on the uh, next episode or if you have questions or would like us to do a deep dive into something let us know yep we're always looking for topics we're always you know looking just to interact with you in any way shape or form so thank you for those who have interacted with us you know through the gmail account through the social media in the past we really really appreciate it and thank you for listening to another episode of the hyperion adventures podcast we look forward to sharing some time with you again next week Until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week.